welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And joining me today, uh, I've got uh, the uh, Teen Vogue uh, Generation Next fashion designer, Miss um, Elena Velez. And I'm very much excited to talk to her about her passions, her artistry, and why she does what she does. It's been a very um, uh, uh, amazing last couple of years for her and her career. So uh, I look forward to getting to know her here. So thank you for joining me, Elena. Sweet. Very cool. Thanks for having me, Ben. This is really exciting. I know you've interviewed a lot of my really good friends from Milwaukee, so it's cool to be part of this collection. Yes, most definitely. And doing it over Zoom, I can reach people I wouldn't have reached otherwise. So. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually in Milwaukee right now. Oh, <laughs> you are? Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm in Milwaukee right now. And I'm also like very bummed that we couldn't do this in person because I really wanted to have obscure alcohol and be crawled over by your cat. So Yeah. <laughs> um, that actually was... Um, that was my last house. Those were my old roommate's cats. Oh, so man. I don't awesome. have the I don't have the cats anymore <laughs> anyway, but one day, one day, um, maybe when we do like a revisited, I'll have a cat by then. Okay. I think it needs to be a new animal every episode. That'd be fun. So it's like interviewing cool people, but also sharing exotic pet facts. I really enjoy the sound <laughs> of that. We're going to do that. <laughs> All right. I'll make them little outfits. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be it. It'll be its own, like, um, Reddit thread after a while. You know? Right, absolutely. I'm there. Yeah. So you're in Milwaukee now. Uh, where, where, uh, about? Yeah, so, I mean, I was finishing up my last year of postgraduate. Um, I was out in London this year, and, of course, that kind of went to shit with COVID. So I flew back here in February, and we spent a couple months in quarantine. Um, and so now I am actually back home with mom and my stepdad which is always really hard you know it's it sucks especially now more than ever to feel so dependent and removed from your creative industry uh, but i've got some projects here which are keeping me occupied so so far so good yeah yeah that's uh that's all you really can do with the given circumstances mm -hmm. yeah I definitely understand that. Yep. So I feel like we're in a moment of time right now where all you can really do is like focus, create work, and be prepared for the moment when everything opens back up. Yeah. So I really believe that there's going to be kind of an exciting creative renaissance at the end of this like plague, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Um, I, I think that the last like six months or so have been um, an intense uh, period of introspection for many creatives. Mm -hmm. And one that hopefully on the other side, many of us are very enriched in our ideas and processes and uh, just with um, um, greater um, just kind of understanding of like who we are and what exactly like, you know, we, where we want to see ourselves, you know, yeah. on the other side of all this. And what we want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Elena, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, uh, we talk love and fear, passion, and creativity. Got a lot of those things. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. Then you'll be a great guest. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I've been following your work for a while now. Um, I uh, we've been Facebook friends for a while, and I've just seen you dressing, you know, all sorts of celebrities in the last couple of years, like. 
Solange and uh, Charlie XCX, who's one of my personal favorites. Nice. <laughs> I'll tell her that next time we work together. <laughs> please do, please do. Um, as well as Caliucci's, um, many others, um, which I'm excited to talk about all that. But um, before we get into the present, we got to uh, take a trip to the past. And with that, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, I'll, I'll start with a simple question that I've been asking people lately is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh, like when you, like uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a fashion designer. <laughs> you did exactly what you wanted to do that. Yep, I had a lot of time to set myself on the right path here. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, very cool. Well, uh, what uh, I guess then what um, what sparked your interest? Yeah, I mean, I've been drawing since I could hold a pencil to be quite honest. Um, and I've always been kind of fascinated with the female form. I was always drawing like Bratz dolls or Barbies and stuff like that. And then I was also very excited about the idea of placing different shapes around on that body. Um, and so there was this general interest in female forms and sculptures and, you know, a very ambiguous approach to fashion. I didn't even know that fashion was a career that I could get into. It was just kind of a fun way for me to draw and experiment and feel expressed. Um, and so from there, um, there were a couple little opportunities here and there in Milwaukee for, you know, kids that wanted to learn how to sew and how to get into, you know, fashion um, as we have it here in Milwaukee. And so I got to participate in like the little Discovery World clinics. They used to have like little sewing and science and design summer camps. So I did a ton of those. Um, and fortunately, I have a mom who was very voracious in helping me to like locate these opportunities. So she would have me do a summer camp at Mount Mary. I would do, um, you know, weekends at this cool little hippie boutique called um, Fashion Ninja um, down in the Third Ward. And so there were a, a ton of like little pop-up underground basement operations. And so I spent a lot of time around the city, like hopping in and out of those. Sure, totally. And then, of course, Project Runway became a thing in like, what, 2006, 2007? And so that was kind of my reference point for what fashion design looked like. And everybody here was like, oh, you love fashion. You're going to be in Project Runway. And so, of course, I was obsessed with this show. And then I heard Parsons keep coming up. Parsons, the school, like this school of fashion. And so that I knew I had to be a part of. So. Totally awesome. Yeah, that just kind of is a great segue into, um, you know, how your career just really um, uh, got launched from that point. So yeah, tell me about your experience at Parsons. Yeah, so I did my first two years at Parsons Paris. Um, and I wouldn't really call that a very fashion specific education. It was very much more of the foundation of art and design and doing very theoretically oriented courses. Um, and then from there, I wanted to transfer back to New York because I thought that New York was probably gonna be the likeliest um, you know, place that I could see myself long term. And I wanted to kind of uh, proliferate the network and the industry there. Um, and so I missed my opportunity to fill out my paperwork for the transfer. And I had a year to just go abroad. So I went to Australia for a year. And in my time over there, I was interning and working with designers locally and in Sydney. And so that was another really cool opportunity for me to bring back um, and then I did my last two years at Parsons in New York City. And it was a really 
great experience. I think that being in an art and design related educational setting really taught me critical thinking skills and how to think about things in a different way that I'm really starting to appreciate now. So I loved it. I was kind of a black sheep. I didn't really talk to anybody. I just came and I did my work and I left. Um, and I was probably the only student in my class that I know of that would, you know, do the all-nighters and be at Parsons until five or six in the morning. Um, and then staying after hours, you kind of make other friends who are working that hard too. And you get to like form these really cool bonds with, you know, other creatives who are also like, so starving to get their work out. Um, and so a lot of the work that I'm creating right now is um, originally based on my thesis project, which I worked on my senior year and really took off. So that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you drink a lot of coffee? Um, I actually really didn't, but I started in France. So yes, now I do. And I've got my shitty Euro trash Starbucks here, so. <laughs> Very nice, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I I feel I was a late night uh, worker um, it, when I was I was at UWM, and I would have a lot of late nights in the library too. That's how I got into very copious amounts of coffee use myself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, and my vice was always like one a.m. dollar pizza on the corner. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> a great thing in New York. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, do you think New York pizza is superior? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I am like very biased towards Rocky Rococo's, period. And then also like Chicago deep dish. Yeah. So like these thin little like cardboard pizza slices just don't do it for me. But at 1 a.m. they have a different, you know, appeal. <laughs> it, it hits different as they It say. hits different, right? <laughs> different, yeah. I'm from the Chicago area, so. I'm very partial to it, you know, the Lumo Nottis is Hell yeah. the best, but, but there is, um, there's some good pizza in Milwaukee, I will say, um, but, uh, a little pop-up one that we have downtown, that's so good, they have, like, macaroni and cheese pizza. Not Ian's. It's Ian's, yeah. Oh, it is Ian. oh, yeah, I've eaten, I had a roommate who used to work at Ian's third shift, uh -huh. and so he used to bring over, like, all of the leftover yeah pizza they didn't sell so i've eaten so much Ian. yeah the way you said ian sounded like you had a very specific opinion on it oh well it's just <laughs> it's really popular like on the east side so i'm just so used right. to it you know yeah but hey ian's is still really good shout out to ian's pizza oh, yeah. sponsor, <laughs> um, sponsor my fashion ian's yeah hell yeah let's do that <laughs> let's, let's collab yeah yeah that'd be that'd be forward that would be some forward shit some forward shit yeah so um so then um so once you completed parsons um uh, how would your career continue to uh uh move from there yeah so i was super lucky like when i graduated there's kind of one of two paths you either get offered opportunities to work with a company or you get offered opportunities to show your own work and I was offered opportunities to show my own work. So I actually got picked up by V-Files. They do a yearly runway show. Um, and so I had my, you know, debut thesis collection premiere at the Barclays Center under V-Files, which is a very, like, well-known arts and cultural, you know, program. Anyway, um, so from there, my work was shot by Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and, like, all of these amazing Condé Nast companies. 
And I ended up on Vogue Runway, which is kind of the stylist's Bible for where they go to pull looks for their celebrity clients who are doing appearances or doing photo shoots. And so I guess from there, I started to receive an influx of emails and like press and everybody wanted to know about what I was doing or how they could go about um, borrowing the collection. And so I was just kind of riding that wave out and like seeing where it went because my end goal was always to be autonomous and to have my own, you know, label. So this felt like the right wave to ride. And then shortly after that, I was invited by the Swedish Fashion Council to show that collection again in London for London Fashion Week. So it was a really busy couple of months and I felt like I had the attention in the base and they were kind of curious as to what I was doing next. Um, so it was really important to me to put out a follow-up collection so people knew that I was very serious about being independent um, and that I didn't get hired away and you would never hear from me again. So that is where the second collection came out. Um, and then I had kind of a year where I was like, do I want to go back to school and get an MFA? Like there's another dream school that I still want to have some accreditation from um, called Central St. Martin's in London. And if you have those two degrees, like you're hot shit in New York, right? Because everybody wants the degree from the foreign country. And so Parsons made me very hot internationally, but like Central St. Martin's made me like very cool, you know, locally in New York and whatever. Um, so that's where I was last year is I took a graduate diploma course at St. Martin's, which was cut short by COVID. And here I am. I've got a, a couple projects here that are like going on that I'm very excited about that are going to be very like important. And I'm excited yeah. to go back to New York uh, this spring when all of that is complete to really reestablish my presence there, which I think is important. Yeah, totally. I guess a better way to say it is it came full circle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Totally. But like uh, Milwaukee is very essential to what I do um, for a number of different reasons. So to be like bi-coastal, like Wisconsin's on the coast, but like to be able to hop back and forth is like very important to the work and to me. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally I feel that. Um, yeah. Um, so um, I know that you have like a very, you know, you have a very non-traditional style with your fashion. Um, you know, it's a lot of like metalsmith kind of stuff uh, that you've, uh, you know, incorporated into your style. So I'm interested to hear about your uh, kind of your inspirations and sort of like what um, really like sort of what your vision is with the various dimensions of um fashion that yeah. you're, you're passionate about so that was the question that was posed to me as i was crafting my senior thesis at parsons and for me the origin and like the nucleus of where this all kind of came from is like this weird dark obsession that i have with like apocalypse like apocalypses and what I call aftermath scenarios, which are these like moments throughout time and history where after societal collapse, people have had to create and regenerate with what they have on hand. And I think that when you place yourself in that sort of a mind frame, um, you address very important problems that we're still having today. So I was thinking about how we could use like past as precedent for, you know, a lot of the issues that are still very prolific in the fashion industry, including sustainability problems, um, democratizing domestic labor, and you know, 
things of that nature. And I realized that there are all of these times in the past that we've solved those problems. We just need to relocate them and reapply them into a contemporary context. So the thing that I was looking at was World War II. And because it was just this amazing time where people were really starting to revise the way that they created fashion and garments for a population um, with very conservative uh, resources. And so as I was doing my research into that time period, the controlled commodity industry and such, I kept seeing Wisconsin pop up. And I loved that. I was like, why is Wisconsin like continuously being mentioned about in World War II? And so from there, um, I looked into Milwaukee and Milwaukee is actually known regionally as the machine shop of the United States in terms of the steel and the metal output that we are contributing, particularly during the World War II. Yeah. Um, and so I knew over Christmas break, I had to do something with metal. And oddly enough, like we all had like peripherally related contacts in the metal and steel industry here in Milwaukee. So it was really easy for me to get into a shop. And from there I had my ideas and all of these like big burly guys with like, you know, leather and like calloused hands. They, they look at these like little fashion sketches and they're like, whatever, let's just do this. And so throughout the time in the shop, we really started to forge really important relationships and we became good friends and like to get to collaborate on a very non-traditional um, product, but using very antique artisanal methods was so cool to me. And so to bring that product back to New York, people really loved it because it had a history element, it had a problem solving element. Um, it spoke very much about community engagement and, you know, shining a light on a non-traditional creative perspective, which is very important in the industry right now because people are just so tired about the, of the constant like regurgitation of the same shit. Yeah. So people are curious. They're like, okay, what's going on creatively in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? You know, what does an artist from there really have to say? So to get to use my platform to tell that story um you know ap applying and including the creatives who do it best is so cool to me so that's what i want to do moving forward totally that's super awesome i love i love that you've said that like uh i think that um milwaukee breeds some some true like gold mine of talent you know completely yeah so i there's so much room for opportunity here like the people are so excited to be involved in creative projects in a way that feels so much more fulfilling than working in new york where it's just an industry and like yeah. a extension of a of mechanism mm -hmm. um so like it's awesome it's just so much yeah. more fun here and i really believe in like bringing back what i've had the great fortune to learn abroad like to be able to go to new york and paris and all of these places is cool but like fashion you know new york doesn't need another fashion designer neither does london like we don't need more fashion designers we need better stories and we need mm -hmm. better like to use fashion as a vehicle for something more important and i think that i have that capacity mm -hmm. here in wisconsin yeah absolutely i i think that you're accomplishing that very well um you know incorporating like um a a, uh, a dimension of fashion that is historic, has a historical connotation, one that is sociological, one that can help expand the conversation about various 
social or economic or environmental, political issues even. Um, that's exactly what I feel like most industries kind of need right now is that, and especially with this, this really chaotic year where sort of, I know you mentioned your kind of uh, fascination with apocalypses, like what better apocalypse yeah (laughs) yeah that's uh, this year to many um and i'm no exception is a year where many have felt like you know we we were sort of you know romanticizing this uh the scenario of coming out of this whole thing on the other side but Mm -hmm. what does that other side look like because things can't go back to the way they were before right Right. So I think that uh, very creative optimism you carry where, you know, you are working on stuff that can help uh, encourage like a a futuristic uh, message and statement about like, you know, how can we continue innovating the industry, but also making the world a better place, you know? Right. Absolutely. And like, that's what's so necessary is like, you can't, you can't be a maker of things outside of the context of the parameters of our world right now because it's like does the work even deserve to exist if you haven't considered sustainability like ethical practices and like i don't like to preach on those too much because they're not sexy and they should also just be inherent to the way that you work so i just want to normalize that by not even you know talking on it um but yeah like i think that um covid and this whole pandemic in general really did a lot to shift the industry particularly in fashion because now we're seeing like the degradation and the demise of like like brick and mortar retail so like the barneys and like all of these like huge historic you know behemoths of fashion just aren't relevant anymore or they're bankrupt or they can't be you know um engaged with in the same way and so that combined with the rise of internet culture right now is really democratizing the way that small designers are able to reach their clientele base and people are more intrigued by designers that have the time and the resources and the um, infrastructure to tell more authentic stories and to be more considerate of the way that they work mm-hmm. um, and that's where i want to be like that's where i choose to exist so totally. if, there, if there's a moment of opportunity here i just want to be ready for it yeah well that's a beautiful place to have your mindset on like I think that's a that's the ideal place to be in for sure um mm-hmm. so I definitely like admire that um so um so that being said I'd love to hear kind of about like some of these projects you've been working on in this in this time like being back in Milwaukee and stuff like yeah. what you know what can we expect from you so I was just contacted by this really cool um, New York transplant who's from Milwaukee as well. So we share a lot of like parallels in terms of our geographical situation. Um, but he is a metal worker here in Milwaukee and he reached out to me and he's just so cool and so excited to connect on a project of some sort. So I'm actually really intrigued about the possibility of us um, working on the senior thesis collection, the graduate showcase that I would have Um, rolled out this last season if I had been able to stay in London and complete my studies. So I think we're going to revisit that and try and turn that into something that we can repurpose and exhibit in September of next year. Um, And then I also reached out to this really amazing woman who does custom artisanal copper pots in Wisconsin. 
And I was like, that is so non-traditional and so badass and just weird and cool and awesome and like very Wisconsin. And I was like, that is awesome. It's so cool. So we're going to hopefully work on something um, together. And then for the most part, I'm actually, I'm not sure when this um, episode's going to drop, but I'm in the process of negotiating a venture capital deal here in Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Oh, it's, it's a lot of work. It's like, I am not a business, you know, I don't know the vernacular or the entrepreneurship terminology and all of that. So it's been a lot of like self-propelled research. Um, so hopefully we'll arrive at a decision with that, whether or not it's going to work out or not. Um, but that's here in Milwaukee too. So that would take me through December. Um, they've got like an incubator accelerator course, which would be really cool. Super so. cool. This mm -hmm. will be out within the month. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It'll be done by then. We'll have so, an answer. Very cool. Follow yeah. up in the comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I hear you about navigating the economics of branding. You know, it's, I know nothing about that stuff either. Mm -hmm. you know, I spent very little time in the building of the business school at UWM. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I have a minor in creative entrepreneurship, which I thought was it, like, but it's not. It's just like how to make your logo cool and how to be professional on paper, but it's nothing about like um, option pools and like stock reserve and just oh, all of these mind numbing like uh, business finance bro kind of language right yeah. which i should know because i lived on wall street for a little bit but man i was yeah. like, not paying attention yeah i have to think about the same things too like you know mm -hmm. if one day i you know it's like invent nice guy industries you know i'll have to think totally. about the same things too one day so mm -hmm. um so um so as we had mentioned before um you um you've you know dressed and worked with many different kinds of celebrities and you know at the end of the day celebrities are you know it's kind of like it can be really wild and surreal to like you know meet and interact with folks that you just you know see on your news feed like every day and like you never you might never imagine like meeting them in real life but I love to hear about sure. like most memorable uh interactions that you've had totally. folks um I think celebrity dressing is like a fun fact, but if that's what I did this all for, it would be a very hollow existence. Cause like, it's super uncanny and really cool to like see a celebrity wearing a look that you made while you were listening or consuming their media at the same time. Um, but what I love about New York is it really breaks down the complexity of what even is a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And so like Beyonce is not Beyonce, right? Beyonce is a team of like 50 different people contributing di different skills, right? And by degrees of separation, you know those people. Um, and so it really like brings it down a notch and makes it a little bit more accessible and a little bit less like a, a stardusty moment yeah. to realize that these people are very cool and they're very talented, but they're also a product of a team. Um, and it's not that hard to get in touch with that team. So, um, I think, um, when I worked on Ariana Grande's sweetener tour, that was really exciting. Um, I was contacted by her stylist, Law Roach and his team. 
And the thing is, is once you get into that tier of celebrity styling, like you're not even talking to the stylist anymore. You're talking to his assistants, 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 intern. Like it's very hard to get like direct communication to these people. Um, But we were speaking directly right in the beginning as like the ideas were manifesting. And um, it was cool because I had never really considered fashion for tour before. And there are all of these different considerations that you have to take into mind when you're dressing somebody who's also going to be like twerking and like ripping things off for a quick change. (laughs) So that was like really cool and a lot of fun. Um, Who else? It's crazy. Like I'll get 24 hour commissions and you don't want to know nothing about my life within those 24 hours. Like I am a mess. Um, I got a request from Halsey and her team to do her VMA appearance um, last summer, I think. And they're like, Friday night, I got that email. And they're like, we need this in LA Sunday night. And those 48 hours, like, I have just repressed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you just have to dissociate, get the work done, and just hope it all works out. So. Sometimes it's very stressful if you're doing custom collaborations or commissions, um, but usually it's pretty low key because I have my collection already. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen is a stylist will reach out to me and they'll say, hey, I'm dressing this celebrity for this appearance. Um, can we see your line sheets? And so that is me just sending them images of all of you know the products that are on the rack right now. And they'll go in and they'll pick out a couple things and then I just ship it off and it comes back. And then a couple weeks later, I either get content or I don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's so disappointing is the fact that like, if there isn't a picture of it on Instagram, it didn't happen, Yeah. but it did like, oh, if I had pictures and if I had tagged imagery, I would be popping right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elena, you're always popping. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So I'd also love to hear a little bit more about Generation Next. Um, the- yeah, that was crazy. It's super cool. Um, so I got contacted by Lindsay Peoples Wagner, who is the editor in chief of Team Vogue. And she was reaching out because she was very excited about young and up and coming designers who kind of represent an alternative perspective within the industry. Uh, so I was selected along with two or three other designers. And we got to put on a kind of pop-up New York Fashion Week exhibition. And Anna Wintour, who is the editor-in-chief of Vogue, um, actually came through and she interviewed us. And we got to chat and it was super cool and very intimidating. Um, But it was a lot of fun. And I got to meet some really cool people and be part of a really important initiative, which is something that is, like, important to me. Um, Not only to be, like... um, appreciated for like the meaning behind the work but also to get to exhibit it in a context that is also very urgent and like important so that's what i really appreciate that's awesome super cool um with that said um kind of like you know um touching a little bit on the philosophy you had talked about earlier about like your fashion and like your inspirations and whatnot like i guess like in terms of like you know, young people as, as beauty standards are ever changing and evolving right now. And there's just so many different kinds of ways to look beautiful and feel beautiful these days. Like it's a very subjective and personal thing for many. Um, I guess like what, like, 
what's like kind of like a, a message you want to get out to, you know, other young fashion designers or young, you know, folks that are trying to like kind of find their own style, their own look, like yeah. what's like kind of a message you want to, to yeah, convey to I them? mean, like pretty is done. Pretty yeah. is boring. Nobody cares if it's aesthetically like nice. Like when a, when a professor would critique my work at school and he said, nice, scrap it. It's done. Like it's ruined. This is the worst project ever. It's nice. It's pretty. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Like you want somebody to say, wow, that's really interesting or that's unique or like that is so ugly. But like, I, there's a weird, like, you know, it tells me something that I didn't already know about myself in a different way. Um, and so I think to be like, I am personally very anti-fashion. Like I don't participate. I don't purchase. I buy all of my clothes secondhand from Goodwill. Like I just get what's like, like flannel and stretchy pants. Like right now I'm wearing pajamas and like a shirt. I don't know whose shirt this is um, because like, I don't partake. It's not interesting. Yeah. You know, like my love for fashion is craft oriented and it's very much about the process, but I think that we have to find a way to like make those two worlds interact where you have very conceptually important work, but you also want to support a different way of interacting with fashion. Um, so that's like kind of my mission in life is to figure out how to find a way to make those two things meet. Um, yeah, but like fashion is just so subjective. It's like, you don't even know that you participate in it but like every choice that you make says something about you. And like, I love to dress down and to dress very like Wisconsin core, which is what I call it. And I like to dress like a dad at Planet Fitness. And I just, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I really thrive on that, like that, um, that energy of being the worst dressed person in the room who knows the most about fashion. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's fantastic. Like, yeah. like underdog energy, which is like so Wisconsin, is like it really does it for me. Totally. That's I love that. I've been trying to I've been trying to like expand my own idea of fashion too. Like especially like, you know, I think it's important to talk about beauty standards for men too. You oh, know, yeah. like I'm really trying to like, you know, wear more things that, you know challenge sort of just like the the norms of like what what like what, what looks appealing on men or like what's made specifically for men like I've worn that stuff my whole life you know like mm -hmm. I want to start trying more different things too yeah. you know it's like that's the fine line where you can choose to be more intentional about fashion or you can just say fuck it and not even engage and both are really cool for different reasons yeah. it's just it's a style choice whether or not you even choose to engage is a style choice like totally. whether or not you're making intention intentional decisions about the things that you adorn yourself with like the lack of that still is an intentional choice i, I i'm kind of the same way you know I, i'm a firm believer in like look good feel good you know like the more effort you put into your outfit like a lot of times you might feel more confident but sometimes like you know i it's sort of like you can say more with less yeah i think so like i love to be underestimated that is like the fuel under my rocket is like oh, people yeah. don't think i can do it or that i don't look like i could do it that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I'll> <laughs> to have a secret you know 
yeah that shit is powerful it's a mm-hmm. powerful element so um so uh i know so you've spent time in new york london paris australia all over the world many different time zones mm-hmm. um what's the place in the world you uh would love to that you'd like to work in or live in or biz travel to that you haven't been um i'm just becoming sentient to the fact that scandinavia exists <laughs> i that is on my to top of my list too oh my. yeah so my boyfriend is swedish he was born in stockholm um and he lives between stockholm and copenhagen so for me to get to go out there and visit these places that i would not have been able to point to on a map two years ago is like really cool and the idea of getting farther north would be so awesome like i'd really love to see the faroe islands and to get up into iceland and maybe even greenland um but that's yeah. very much more of like my personality is like cold and desolate and minimal versus like going south and just being like tropically inundated with yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah I'd rather be cold than hot yeah oh well, um it's funny you say that because um i do really uh anticipate visiting scandinavia one day like i want to live through one of those like 24 hour days or 24 hour nights you know like that would be super cool um honestly you know greenland is a place that i've always wanted to see like in my lifetime because it it is so desolate most of it is just you know it's a barren wasteland of ice and rock yeah but there's these tiny little pockets of civilization like along the coasts and like i think that would be very like I'm sure it would it would teach us like you know visiting a civilization like that like visiting somewhere like that would just kind of tell us a lot about ourselves and kind of like mm-hmm. what we grew up with and how it just is so relative to like what we consider normal totally yeah but others have lived within completely different circumstances completely different environments and stuff but yeah, the United States is a very assertive identity. Yeah. Like it's a very particular cultural reference. And to be in these places really strips that away and allows you to come back and to re-examine where you're from in a totally different way. Certainly. And like coming back to Wisconsin is difficult for me sometimes for that exact reason, because like politically, socially, it's just in a different place, you know? Yeah. So but like i recognize that as a room for opportunity you know um to be able to address very sensitive issues through the interface of creative practices and art and design um is cool i think yeah 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 i I agree like i'm part of a lot of like um natural wonders facebook groups you know it's good um it's you know it's good eye candy but it's also like you know it can broaden your imagination of like what you want to see like what corners of the world you hope to experience and meet other people that have you know different senses of reality and I I think that's uh there's a ton of merit to that because you know you come back with just so much food for thought um I also want to go to Japan really bad too yeah Japan would be cool but I'm not a people person, and like there are a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. So I guess uh, my last question, Elena, is 
so um you know this is uh it, it's kind of a um a loaded question because we don't really there's so much that is ambiguous right now but ideally just kind of like with where you're at right now uh, a year from now uh where would you like to be um back in new york with access to the tools that i need to be able to operate in some scale and i'm open to that being smaller projects like i've been doing for the last couple of years but i'm also really hoping that it turns into something a little bit more productive because it's hard to feel like when you aren't making money from your work, you kind of feel like a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. And like, I have too many fucking degrees to be a hobbyist. You know, yeah. I start to like make some money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hopefully like I'm really looking forward to the possibility of this venture capital deal working out. And if that does work out, then we're cooking with fire. Um, but if it doesn't happen, then whatever. I'll just keep doing what I've been doing and um, figure it out along the way. And I do think, unfortunately, but fortunately, like COVID has kind of uh, brought down the level of saturation in New York City, um, specifically in the creative communities. So I think that the, it is a little bit easier in this moment to try and operate there. So, I mean, we'll see. I'll have more answers once I know for sure one way or the other what's going on in the next like month and a half. But I'm sitting on some like really cool secret things. Boy. Yeah. So. Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the sound of that. That's mm -hmm. that's cool. Um. Well. Yeah. Uh, Elena, it's like it's been great really talking to you and getting to know you. Like, um, you. I think that you have a, a really uh, a powerful. Uh, aura when it comes to contemporary fashion and you know you have a vision that you make no sacrifices for and you know i think that that's ultimately you know the most important thing about uh, ascending into an industry like yours and so it's been cool to see you sure. like succeed and and flourish and do so much in the last couple of years and i'm very very excited to see how it continues to manifest for you yeah well thank you so much it's really important to me to be able to like have people along the way who are supportive and who are you know excited about what's happening um, oh yeah and do it without the community it's so important so totally. thank you so much for noticing and for taking interest absolutely of course um i yeah so uh as we're closing out here um tell me elena what keeps you up at night oh my god what keeps me up at night Oh my God, I have this song stuck in my head and it's this terrible little clip that I found in like deep Reddit of like Smash Mouth's All-Star being turned into like a socialist propaganda anthem. And it has been playing in my head over <laughs> and over again. So that's what's been keeping me the fuck up. So I don't know. I have a different set of problems at night. <laughs> oh, well, you find, you find really obscure shit like that on Reddit. That's for yeah. sure. I'm going to send it to you and I want you to post it at the end of our interview. I will. Okay. I, will. I absolutely will, for sure. Um, I have to live through it. Every viewer has to live through it. <laughs> you got it. I, okay. I promise I will. Uh, what, what puts you to sleep, though? Um, the conversations that I have about, like, financial management and, like, <laughs> yeah. venture capitalism. It puts me to sleep, too. Yeah. Really love to have a partner for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, the team, uh, when you're talking about Beyonce, I mean, I guess kind of plays in there. Yeah. 
I need to people be doing it for you so you don't have to worry about it. I know, but you have to have so much money for that. Hopefully, that's in my five-year plan. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Elena. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, for everyone watching, uh, I'll be posting a link to Elena's website so you can see all of her work. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be watching. So thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Somebody once told me the world's gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the chair. She was looking kind of down with her finger and her thumb and the shape of an L on her.